Gone are the days of knights and chivalry, and yet that hasn't changed God's vision of you as a man of valor. Today, pornography is a simple mouse click away, and sexual addiction is at an epidemic level. Dr. Mark Laser is an internationally known author and speaker, the leading Christian authority on sexual addiction, and the host of Faithful and True's online radio production, The Men of Valor Program. Here now is Dr. Mark Laser. Welcome to the Men of Valor program. Uh, after some uh, delays with technical difficulties, we're finally back on track here, I think, Randy, and uh, we're continuing our 12-step series, uh, and today we're talking about Step 8. We are, Mark, and uh, we have been getting good comments from uh, our listeners regarding this study, and we're happy to bring them Step 8 today, which is made a list of all persons we had harmed and became willing to make amends to them all. Well... Eight uh, goes with nine, because uh, in nine we're going to be asked to make those direct amends. So, But the way to make direct amends is to have a accurate and very good list of all the people we had harmed. So that's what we're going to be talking about today. Well, that's, uh, I think that that's probably, probably one of the more powerful steps in the 12 steps, isn't it? Well, it certainly is, and it's certainly about shame reduction. In other words, if you've harmed other people, that's one of the reasons you feel guilt and shame. Um, Again, the difference between guilt is I made some mistakes and I hurt some other people. Shame is because I did all of that, I'm a terrible person. So, you know, we're trying to work against shame while at the same time we're trying to take, you know, a very biblical approach to uh, to guilt, and that is to make amends, to uh, change our behaviors. Wouldn't you say, I mean, it's just an observation on my part, but when the men come to us for the Men of Valor three-day intensive workshops, when they walk in the door, and I've mentioned this before, you know, you can identify, recognize the shame and guilt that they're carrying yeah, right. with them. I mean, yeah. it, it's just, there's no getting around it. It seems like there is an anvil on their shoulders. And I would say that one of the one of the clearest benefits of the three-day workshop is watching that shame that you're talking right. about mm-hmm. uh, be reduced by great measures. And uh, they are in a much more hopeful place by the time that they are walking out our doors on Saturday. On this step, I'd like to turn to you because you have been... Uh, well, is there anyone else here to turn no, to? No, <laughs> I, I find myself turning to you all the time when it's just the, tur- just the two of us. But, uh, but you're good to turn to. I'm, I've, yeah. I've, gotten, I've gotten much benefit from that. We're pretty much all alone down here in the... We, the new basement studios is what's his name on WCCO used to say. We're in the basement studio now. <laughs> yes, and it's kind of like a bomb shelter. You it know, is a little you know, bit like a bomb shelter you know, down here. We, yeah. we both grew up in that era where you had to be concerned about where would you go. <laughs> Get under your desk, put your head between your knees. <laughs> and, and cover your face with a book. Cover like, your face with a book like that's going to help in a nuclear attack. So, <laughs> But we are down here. I say it would be a safe place in the event here in Minnesota of a tornado. That's right. Yeah, That's right. Well, be we'll, place to be. <laughs> we'll hope that none of those devastating things take place in the next half hour. But uh, I wanted to turn to you because uh, here we are uh, and you are... Steve Cannon. Yes. The name just came oh, to did me it really? from WCCO. Coming yeah. to you live from the basement studios at WCCO. Here we are. Okay. 
Are you now going to do Morgan Mondaine and uh, uh, all, all the, the other all of his voices? Uh, all the voices? No, I cannot do that. I'm not good at that. No. For those of you that don't know, Steve Cannon was a Hall of Fame uh, show host and announcer on uh, the Juggernaut WCCO, which is a radio station that has been thriving for decades. But <laughs> we digress. We do. Uh, We're we, talking about the eight step. I should make an eight step to our listeners. I can't even stay on topic. <laughs> Well, I'm trying to rein us back in yeah, okay. and, and get us back on topic. You are, uh, today is the 27th. Your anniversary date is? The 17th. The 17th. So we passed it 10 days ago. Yeah, that's right. I don't know. It's it's 32. It's so. 32 years. Well, yeah. yeah I, I'm sorry. I uh, I don't think of 32 as being you know significant in the sense it's not 30, it's not 35. Oh, no, it's no, no. I don't yeah. mean like it's your silver or gold anniversary, but yeah. 32 years of sobriety and healing yeah. are definitely worth celebrating and noting. Uh, we have many men that are out there that are uh, excited about one month, two months. That's true. Their yeah. first year. And they, and they sh- should be. And they the should way. be. Yeah, Absolutely. Right. Yeah. But uh, what I was getting at is... That's sometimes why I don't like talking about it. Oh? Well, it's like I'm just realizing that... You know, there are men right now that are just struggling to stay sober for a month or right. two or three or six or the first year. Mm-hmm. And, you know, God bless you. Good for you. I mean, if you get, you know, those milestones going, that's great. Don't be distracted by the fact that there are there are some of us that have long-term sobriety. And don't tend to look at it and say, well, how am I going to get 32 years? Don't look at it that way. Look at it that, you know, I'm here to stay sober today. That's how we st- That's how I stayed sober. I mean... When people ask me, how did you do 25 years or 30 years or 32? Well, I did it one day at a time. I, I, I did it by waking up every morning and deciding that today was going to be a day of purity. And before I knew it, they all started adding up. So That's right. Well, I mean, we encourage all the men that are out there, no matter how long uh, their healing journey has been going on, that they, uh, they keep up this good work. And we're hoping by listening to our podcast that uh, we can make that journey that much more doable. What I was going to get at is when you got to step eight in your own recovery, how did you go about uh-huh. uh, making that list of the persons you had harmed and then reaching the point where you understood the powerful nature of being willing to make amends? Well, basically, uh, uh, I was fortunately in an inpatient treatment program in the beginning that encouraged me to work all the steps before I left. Now, that is kind of contrary to sometimes what I hear out there in the 12-step communities, that uh, some of the programs are having the men take, you know, really, really long times to work on some of the steps. The worst uh, is the fourth step, you know, that's like there's guys that have taken a year uh, of their program time to work on the fourth step. So I I just personally don't agree with that. We work through the steps. We do the best we can. The the eight steps should be built off of your fourth step, which is a moral inventory of all the the rights and wrongs of your life. So basically what the eight step is going to ask you to do now, and I did this in treatment. That's what I'm trying to say. I did it in the first 30 days. I had my initial list of people that I had harmed. And, uh, you know, the, the, the initial list was obvious. I mean, who was the number one person that I had harmed? Well, you know, that's a no-brainer. That was Debbie. I mean, obviously she's she's number one, highlight five stars. I mean, just betrayed her trust, you know, tramped all over her, her, her loyalty, uh, I mean, I could go on and on in terms of, you know, the damage that I did. And then the next three names are obviously very easy to come up with, too, and those are my three children, you know. Mm-hmm. At the time, uh, they were four, seven, and ten, and uh, uh, needed to put them on the list. 
I think what happens is we get farther down the road in recovery and we start getting sober and we start waking up and the fog clears is that we start uh, realizing all the other people in our lives whose trust we've betrayed, for example. Mm-hmm. You know, at the time that I crashed and burned, I was, uh, I was serving a church. Uh, so, uh, you know, in, in terms of making amends or who, who is on that list, I would say every member of that church uh, should be on that list. Mm-hmm. You know, at some point uh, for me to make amends to. We'll talk next week about how to make amends, but uh, for the moment, you know, they need to be included. The uh, the medical staff where I was working at a medical clinic, uh, doing counseling and betraying the trust of uh, you know the doctors there and 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 the staff there. I mean, they were they were high up on the list. I mean, they they were actually uh, kind of right after my children when I think about it, because you know it was a total shock to them total betrayal of trust. They had some chaos and uh, legal issues to deal with as a result of my my sins. So uh, they were high on the list. I was on the school board at the time, the school board members, uh, the people of uh, uh, the town where I was on the school board who had voted for me. I mean, do you see that, you know, before long, if you really think about this, your list can get into the hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of people. A daunting task when yeah. you stop and think about right. it. Right. And so next week we'll have to talk about slowing down a little bit, taking this step by step. And some of these larger groups, you know, we're not going to make individual amends to every member of that congregation, every member of the school board or whatever it was, but uh, we're going to figure out uh, collective ways to make amends. We'll talk about that, like I said, next week. So I'm, don't be daunted, but uh, your task this week as you're thinking about this with us is to just start expanding your thinking. Who's the most immediate people? Who are the most obvious? And then, like I said, the, the more sobriety you have, the more clarity you have. You know, who else have, has your behaviors betrayed and offended and, and that kind of thing? And hopefully by the time that you have gotten some of those key members, uh, family members and uh, associates and those that you were closest to, maybe after you have uh, exercised this step with them, it maybe gets a little bit more comfortable uh, in yeah. in approaching others that... Uh, yeah. Deserve your uh, your apology. Now, apology isn't the right word, but uh, like you said, making amends, coming clean, uh, and all of that type of thing. Well, let's take a break right now, Mark. Okay. And when we come back, uh, let's uh, have you continue to explain to our listeners uh, just the importance of step number eight: making a list of all the persons you've harmed and being willing to make amends to them all. You're listening to Dr. Mark Laser, and this is the Men of Valor program. Nobody loves me like you love me, Jesus. I stand in awe of your amazing ways. I worship you as long as I am breathing. God, you are faithful and true. Nobody loves me like you. Do you struggle with the use of pornography? Faithful and True is a Christian-based counseling center specializing in the treatment of sexual addiction and compulsive behavior issues. Our well-trained staff has the highest levels of clinical expertise combined with personal experience to understand and effectively treat your sexual addiction. We have a proven track record for helping men who are seeking a transformation in their lives. Our Men of Valor three-day intensive workshops led by Dr. Mark Laser and Dr. Greg Miller, are the most effective and affordable treatment program in the country. 
our workshop alumni rate our workshops as life-changing. We also offer workshops for spouses and couples. If you're ready to make a change in your life and are seeking a treatment program provided by the top Christian experts in the sexual addiction field, visit us today at FaithfulAndTrue.com to learn more. That's FaithfulAndTrue.com. Oh, what a song to sing. Oh, what a song to sing. Oh, what a song. Time now for the Trigger of the Week. Trigger of the Week, Randy, uh, just happened to me on the way over here, uh, uh, which is, makes it fresh. And I think I'd like our listeners to remember that triggers are not necessarily sexual stimuli. I mean, that's usually the number one source of triggers, you know, visual, auditory, whatever they are, sexual stimuli. And there are countless numbers of those out there in our culture. But triggers are also things that that send us into emotional states that make us more vulnerable to our old drug uh, that we use to medicate, you know, feelings of loneliness or anger, anxiety. So for me, you know, there are huge triggers out there in the world that, uh, you know, kind of make me angry. So in the old days, you know, 30-plus years ago, uh, I would have medicated that anger with, you know, acting out, masturbating, looking at pornography, uh, doing whatever. So I just had a, you know, quick example. I think it's a fairly common one, actually. So I'm, I'm going to Walgreens, and as you know, a day in my life without a trip to Walgreens is like a day without sunshine. I like <laughs> the the comparison I make is Norm on Cheers. Yeah, that's right. When you you know, <laughs> everybody knows my name in there, all the pharmacists and uh, yeah. all the staff, all the checkout people. <laughs> so, uh, which is nice. I mean, you know, I could walk up to the pharmacy and I don't need to tell them my name. They just grab my prescriptions and off I go. But uh, so I'm over there and... Uh, it has been suggested to me uh, uh, with my cancer survivorship that I that I probably uh, have a case for a uh, handicap parking pass, and, and I have resisted it. I you know I I walk I I get in and out of my car. I open and close my own door. I mean I don't need a handicap parking pass. So uh, but today so I'm 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 pulling into Walgreens. And I pull into one of the closer spaces, which happens to be unoccupied, and right next to it is a handicapped spark, uh, spot. So here comes a big honking uh, pick 'em up truck, you know, pickup truck. And uh, <laughs> I'm expecting there to be somebody get out in a wheelchair or something like that, and uh, which would have been impossible given the fact that this is a big pickup yeah, truck. Yeah, you have to step <laughs> up and climb into the vehicle. That's right, exactly. So, and it's a flatbed in the back, so it's not one of these things with, you know, with the wheelchair access. So I'm wondering what, who in the heck? And uh, sure enough, uh, there's a middle-aged guy, completely capable, completely uh, uh, un- 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 unhindered by any physical deficits. You know, climbs out of this big truck. And uh, I was tempted to say something to him, I must admit, but I, uh, I uh, reserved my... I did look at him like, what? You know? Right. <laughs> it, sure enough, he climbs out, he gets in, he gets a grocery cart or whatever they use there, and he starts filling it up with all kinds of heavy things. And I'm just thinking to myself, you know, this guy has taken the pass from a vehicle that somebody he knows, maybe it's his wife, maybe it's his mother, maybe it's whoever... You know, and he's using it to kind of abuse the system, I think. So that triggers me, as you can tell, into some anger. And I'm not saying I'm going to act out because I'm not, but I'm just saying that there are those situations in life 
that tend to make us angry or anxious, and that can be the trigger of the day for us, at least. It's coincidental that you chose, that you came in with this trigger ready to deliver, because I was going to recommend that today's trigger be anger. Oh, okay. Well, uh, well. Pastor Joel Johnson, yeah. uh, the, mm-hmm. the pastor of our uh, our church that we both attend, you know, delivered a great um, sermon on Sunday uh, on the subject of anger. You know, and I, I made a mental note to myself as he was speaking to remember that to mention to you as a trigger uh, for today's show because you can see how anger can enter our psyche in a whole variety of different ways. Mm-hmm. Uh, it can it can be that handicap sticker. It can be somebody pulling into a spot that you are waiting for. Uh, anger comes in many different colors. And so uh, that was just uh, coincidental that, mm-hmm. that your example today was right in line with what I was thinking. So thanks for that. Well, we could segue here too, which means that we're talking today about making a list of all people we had harmed. And we're assuming... Uh, that the harm is because of our sexual acting out. And that's a fair assumption. You know, there's a long list. But I'm also thinking, as we're talking here about the trigger of the week, that are there not people that we have harmed with our anger, you know, historically, uh, that, you know, we've been angry at them, we've exploded, we've been critical, we've yelled, we've screamed, whatever we've done, we've hit things. We, uh, You know, I don't need to go into a long list of anger expression, but I do think when we're making a list of people that we have harmed, we need to think about all different ways that we've harmed people. You know? Right. And uh, so I was just thinking, too, as I was describing my early list, uh, I forgot a group, and that would be uh, my extended family, uh, my in-laws particularly, mm-hmm. that were included on that list uh, very early on. So, you know, Debbie, the children, uh, definitely my in-laws were on that early list. And as a matter of fact, you know, the next time our my in-laws visited, uh, after I got out of treatment, I did uh, sit them down and make make an amends, a ninth step. Again, we're talking about that next week. But I just encourage the listeners to kind of sit down with a piece of paper and start writing uh, the people uh, or the groups of people that they think of that they have harmed because of their behaviors. Well, it can be a pretty far-reaching group, as, as you explained. And uh, when you stop and break it down like that, it's funny because just as you were talking about Debbie's family and how you know, your crash and burn had to have been devastating to them. And then I think of your parents and, and yeah. how, you know, your dad as a pastor and your mom, and, yeah. and despite all of the nuances of your relationship with them, mm-hmm. it doesn't take long for that list to, to get pretty long. Well, it was interesting that, uh, you know, and this, this is a good point, I think, maybe to, to just talk about for a minute, and that is you're going to have people on the list that maybe you've offended, but maybe historically they've offended you. So that would be true for uh, my father particularly. So, uh, But on the other hand, I, I did recognize that, you know, this was an embarrassment to him as a pastor and, and all of that. So, uh, yeah, I did apologize to him. And I was hoping in some ways that, you know, my apology would lead to his apology, which it never did. But So in other words, you can't really go into this with a, an expectation. No of what the other person is going to say or do. Not without being uh, highly disappointed yeah. uh, when, it, when it's not reciprocated. Yeah, that's right. So, um, by the way, as we're talking through this show today, I'm just thinking of other people that are on my early list. Uh, the faculty at my graduate school, because uh, the University of Iowa, because the story, my story was all over the Des Moines Register. So 
the, and the fact that I was a graduate of the School of Religion, got my PhD there, you know, it was an embarrassment to the School of Religion. And uh, so I did sit down um, on my next visit to Iowa City. I did sit down with my major advisors uh, from my program, and I did uh, uh, apologize to them for embarrassing the, the School of Religion. So, and I, I never forget what my, uh, my major advisor said, uh, which I think is so typical uh, or, or so healing. He simply said, thank you. He just, that's all he said. Boy, two words, yeah. and, and couldn't have been more powerful for you at that point. Well, it recognized that I was right in apologizing, that it had been very painful for him, but it also just recognized that I had done the right thing and uh, apologized to him, and he simply said, thank you. Well, that's the kind of healing that our listeners can anticipate if they follow yeah, this step. Right. They can. It's, I'd say, I don't know what the percentage is, but I, I would say that the times this works out, you know, for a healing moment is, you know, profoundly greater than in anybody who has a, you know, adverse or negative reaction. As time went on for you and as you identified these groups that had been impacted by your actions, and, and just as it's happened to you just now, as you're talking about it, as you're thinking about it, all of a sudden you go, oh, I totally forgot to mention this group. Yeah, right. And, and I can imagine that happened in real time as well. Yeah, After did. you did a whole number of amends to people, mm-hmm. and then it, it strikes you one day that you hadn't even thought of approaching a certain individual, a certain group, who mm-hmm. definitely were in line to receive your, uh, your amends. Yeah, that, that, that's right. So, uh, yeah, I think it was, as I'm thinking back on it, it was a matter as if time went by, you know, more and more examples of, of uh, people that I needed to uh, make amends to became apparent. I was just thinking now that maybe some of the listeners are wondering on my list, uh, why are there not the women yet? that I uh, actually acted out with, who, in fact, you know, I do owe um, an amends to. The key to that is going to be that when we get to step nine, it's, you know, it's, it's step nine talks about making direct amends. And because of the legal nature of some of the stuff that I was involved with, I was, I, I was and have been and continue to be advised to never have contact with those women ever again. Number one, for my program, it was not good because I was having affairs with them. And number two, uh, you know, if they were in fact victimized by the influence of my power in their life, uh, my position in their life, then, you know, it would have been continually offensive to have any contact with them. So uh, next week we're going to talk about I still need to make amends to those women, but uh, there's going to be a category of making direct amends called vicarious amends, meaning that we make amends that are in symbolic substitution for this group of women that I that I abused in the ways that I did. Okay, well that would uh, that would seem to be an important step, and yet I can see uh, it's a complicated one. Because, it is a complicated one. Yeah, because you don't want to drum up for you or the women involved uh, any of the early emotions or pain. That's right. You that's know. Right. So uh, yeah, that's right. That seems to make sense. So as we've come to to the end of today's program and as we're I think we've pretty uh, you've done a good job of explaining what step eight is uh, is there a directive that you can give our listeners as they're approaching making that step themselves yeah I was just thinking that one of the main points of this is that on the on the road to healing uh, this step is really about ownership I mean this step is about owning your own behavior 
uh, addicts classically blame others for why they do the things they do. And uh, step eight is, no, I'm not blaming anybody else. It's not my wife's fault. It's not culture's fault. It's not scantily clad women's fault. It's not the pornographer's fault. You know, it's my fault. It's the, it's the, the damage that I did. And so this is a key point in that humility and uh, so forth is going to be required to continue our ongoing healing, uh, to just continue to own our own story. This step is about owning your own story. You have been listening to Dr. Mark Laser. I'm Randy Everett, your co-host, and we thank you for joining us today as we're continuing our our series on the 12 steps of Alcoholics Anonymous. We hope that this coming week for you is going to be a week that's filled with many blessings and great vision. You've been listening to the Men of Valor program with Dr. Mark Laser. For information about this program or to learn more about Faithful and True, visit us at faithfulandtrue.com. That's faithfulandtrue.com.